Hi there. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Arthritis Life Podcast, where we share arthritis life stories and tips for thriving with autoimmune arthritis. My name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis beyond joint pain. I've been living with rheumatoid arthritis for 20 years, and I'm also a mom, occupational therapist, video creator, support group leader, and I created the Room to Thrive self-management program. I am so excited to help you live a more empowered life with arthritis. We're going to cover everything from kitchen life hacks to navigating the healthcare system to coping with friends who just don't get it. Seriously, no topic is going to be off limits on this podcast. My interviewees and I share our honest stories of how chronic illness affects our lives. This includes discussions about mental health, sex, shame, pregnancy, body image, advocacy, self-acceptance, and so much more. You'll hear stories from all ends of the spectrum, from a person who's living in Medicaid remission from psoriatic arthritis to somebody living with severe mobility restrictions and severe pain from rheumatoid arthritis. You'll hear how people manage their conditions in different ways, like medications, mindfulness, movement, social support, work accommodations, and so much more. You'll also hear from rheumatology experts who just get it. We'll dive deep into the science behind chronic pain and what's the latest evidence for lifestyle changes that can help you thrive with arthritis, including exercise, sleep, nutrition, stress reduction, and more. This is your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Percy Baldaria. He is going to tell us what rheumatology is and give us some new advice for newly diagnosed patients. All right, let's get started. Hi, my name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis. I've lived with rheumatoid arthritis for 17 years, and I'm also a mom, teacher, and occupational therapist. I'm so excited to share my tricks for managing the ups and downs of life with arthritis. Everything from kitchen life hacks to how to respond when people say you don't look sick, stress, work, sex, anxiety, fatigue, pregnancy, and parenting with chronic illness. No topic will be off limits here. I'll also talk to other patients and share their stories and advice. Think of this as your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. So what is a rheumatologist? Well, first, thank you for having me here. Uh, So a rheumatologist is an internist who underwent further subspecialty training uh, to diagnose and manage systemic autoimmune conditions Mm -hmm. and musculoskeletal diseases. Right. And so what is an internist, if people don't know? So an internist is a specialist Mm -hmm. who deals with adult patients. So what kinds of patients do you see? So the typical patients that I see have rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. um, lupus, right. psoriatic arthritis, osteoarthritis, and gout. Okay. Uh, what inspired you personally to become a rheumatologist? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So uh, I knew early on that I mm-hmm. wanted to be in a field where I can see patients long term, mm-hmm. where I can help patients manage their conditions uh, for a long period of time. Okay. So I started in residency in internal mm-hmm. medicine. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in residency, I gravitated towards rheumatology. 
mm -hmm. uh, because I love the diagnostic dilemmas. Oh, <laughs> thank uh, you for loving that because the patients don't always. <laughs> right, and, and I was excited by the therapeutic uh, advances in the field. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, I knew then that I could have a tremendous impact on patients. Yeah, I mean, um, that sounds amazing. And, and when you say diagnostic dilemmas, can you explain a little bit, maybe to the layperson, what, what you mean by that? You're right. So in, in rheumatology, most of the conditions that we see, you know, there's no single blood test, mm -hmm. right, or exam finding that diagnoses the condition. Right. And right. a lot of the conditions that we see also are what we call diagnosis of exclusion, mm, right? So mm -hmm. you can have a positive rheumatoid factor or a positive anti-CCP and not have rheumatoid arthritis, for example. Or on the other end, you can have negative tests for rheumatoid factor or, or anti-CCP, right. which are markers for rheumatoid arthritis, but still have the disease. Right, so it's kind of like if I fell off you know, a ladder and it broke my arm. I go to the ER That's and I right. take an x-ray and they like, your arm's broken. I can see it right there. Where rheumatology is kind of feels like the opposite. Right. You're like, there could be kind of like in Dr. House, it could be lupus. It could be lupus. It could That's always right. be lupus. <laughs> right. And and also, uh, I mentioned most of the conditions are also diagnosis of exclusion, mm -hmm. right? So you want to make sure that what the patient is having is not explained by another disease. Yeah. How, how do you cope, I'm curious, with, with all this ambiguity or gray areas? Like, I feel like for me, it, it would make me kind of anxious mm -hmm. or feel overwhelmed. Well, I think uh, a, a big part of it is uh, being up to date with mm -hmm. information, mm -hmm. right? right? Because right. Uh, the more you know about the different conditions, the right. more you are better equipped to deal with right. the uncertainty. And the patients are leaning on you. To help them make decisions right that makes sense yeah I'm sh most of the patients I'm, I'm assuming from my own experience are like a little bit confused mm -hmm. by the time they get to you because they're like okay maybe I've googled this a little bit or I have a friend who might have had something similar but it, it could be so many different things so that's right having a provider who's really well informed and can help patients deal with the ambiguity is like worth its weight mm -hmm. in gold. So I wanted to also see if you could maybe walk the audience through just a typical day as a rheumatologist. Right, so I spend most of my day here at the uh, Poly Clinic. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, I see patients uh, with rheumatologic conditions mm -hmm. and most of the conditions are diagnosis of exclusion. Right. So I ask them about their medical history. Mm -hmm. I try to explain their symptoms. Uh, thinking about what other potential conditions may cause them, right? right? And right. then when I examine them, I look for evidence of joint tenderness, mm -hmm. joint swelling. Mm -hmm. If there's a discordance between the history and the physical exam, sometimes I do joint ultrasounds. Oh, okay. And then we discuss the most likely diagnosis, we talk about the treatment options, and then we make a decision together. Sometimes I also do joint uh, injections. Oh, right, right. right. Um, how, on a given day, how many patients do you see on, on, on average maybe that are brand new, that are going mm -hmm. through the diagnostic journey versus the ones that are for, you know, the three-month follow-up, so the continued care? Right, so I see about maybe five or six new patients. A day? Right. Oh my gosh, yeah. wow, that's a lot. Right, and it's then... Like you track of all those people <laughs> every day, wow. And then uh, maybe, you know, eight to 10 uh, follow-up patients. In one day? Wow. Th that's a busy day. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. wow, I was right. just, I'm amazed because 
in my field, in, in occupational therapy, you have, an, you have an hour with each person typically. Right. So you would only see like eight total, and that would be like you said, a busy day. But, um, and you, you normally, for a, a, a follow-up appointment or a, pa- a chronic long-term patient, you would have 20 minutes, is that right, typically? Yeah, 20 or 30 20 minutes. 20 or 30, okay. And then with the new patient, do they get more time? Right, they, okay. they usually give them an hour. Okay. In, in general, since you're developing these relationships with mm-hmm. patients you know, over a long period of time and they learn to trust mm-hmm. you and confide in you, um, uh, in general, do you have any advice for how patients, maybe a newly diagnosed patient, can develop a good working relationship or therapeutic relationship with their provider? Right. So first, you mentioned that uh, the conditions that we treat usually require long-term management, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to find that provider whom you feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. right? You've got to find someone whom you feel like you're personality matches with mm-hmm. his or hers, mm-hmm. right? someone whom you can trust. Right. Uh, and we know that here at the polyclinic, so we have you know, a group of very diverse, you yeah. know, seven board certified rheumatologists, because you, know, you might not like the first rheumatologist yeah. you see, and, and right. that's okay. So you think, yeah, I, I've seen on, on social media or in person talking to other patients, they'll talk about maybe, you know, um, doctor shopping or kind of mm-hmm. going. So you you support people maybe making sure that they find a good fit long term. Right. So yeah. you got to find someone who you trust, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But trust goes both ways, That's right? That's what I was thinking too. So yeah. you got to tell your doctor what medications you're taking or what medications you are supposed to take but you, don't. But you aren't, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I first started being mm-hmm. a chronic illness patient, I just wanted to talk forever. Right. To my doctor each time. I didn't really, I knew, what, they tell you what time the appointment starts, but not when it ends. Right, so, that's right. You know, and I, I think as the provider, maybe you have to kind of subtly end the conversation You're Right, and, and also, I think you have to balance, you know, hearing the patient, mm-hmm. but also trying to find out information so that you can help the patient. Right. right? Sometimes right. what the patient wants to say it's not necessarily matched with what the doctors want to hear totally. uh, for the purpose of you know making a diagnosis. That's so true, and I think on the other hand, as a patient, it can be confusing because I've had appointments like where I've had things going on, not just my rheumatoid arthritis, but kind of unknown mysteries. Right. And I'll go through the whole history and I'll say something kind of offhand, like I didn't think was important. Mm-hmm. And then the provider might be like, "Oh, wait, no, that's really important." Mm-hmm. So I think it's hard as a patient right. to know that, like, wait. Everything I say could be important. I don't have the medical expertise to know what's important or not. Right. But maybe the fact that like I really want to get a dog, it's probably not important. <laughs> but I might really want to talk about the dog. Unless you have allergies, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I just remember I saw I recently saw a provider and he was asking me, like, so what are your goals? You know, it was a psychology provider and I was like, I really want a dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm like, maybe they had some deeper meaning of that, but I was also like, okay, maybe he means like goals for mm-hmm. actual therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not just fun goals you know are there any mm-hmm. like logistical tips or tricks you have well I think just just being prepared for the appointment right yeah. I think you have to have like a goal what do you want to get from that particular mm-hmm. appointment because mm-hmm. you're right you know unfortunately time is limited yeah. right yeah. and but something needs to be addressed right, right. so uh, you know just being ready maybe bring a list of your medications before you go to the appointment maybe mm-hmm. you know thinking about your family history before going on an right. appointment you know maybe asking your relatives uh, maybe yeah. maybe your mom or dad got diagnosed with something that you just didn't know about 
Yeah, and I think I've noticed a lot of facilities recently will give you the intake paperwork mm -hmm. earlier, which is so great. And they're, I thought at first, oh, they're doing this so that it saves them time. Mm -hmm. But it also allows you as the patient to not be so kind of on the spot, like, oh, shoot, I don't remember. Did my grandpa have basal cell skin cancer or melanoma? Right. Like, you can have the time. Mm -hmm. So, and I know a lot of patients, I'm I mean, I've tried much, a bunch of different approaches, but they might do, you know, a list on their phone that they keep track of. Like, right. I have to ask Dr. Gorman, and I just have a running thing that I edit each time I mm -hmm. see her. She's my rheumatologist here at the Poly Clinic. Um, and so, you know, I say, okay, I, I asked this one last time, so this time. So you kind of triage right. it yourself to say, okay, maybe put it in priority order. So maybe my, my number one priority is, look, my bottom of my foot is super inflamed right now, but my right. other joints are quiet. Like, what's, what do I do about that? That's you know? right. So I think that's 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 a good tip. Oh, okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm here to provide tips. <laughs> what are some things you maybe you wish patients with arthritis or inflammatory arthritis like conditions? What do you wish that they knew about rheumatologists or rheumatology as a field? All right. So one is that the conditions that we see they're diagnosed of exclusion, mm -hmm. and usually there's no single blood test or exam mm -hmm. finding to make the diagnosis. Right. right. I think the other important thing is, especially with the advent of all the ads on TV, okay. you know, a lot of the patients are really concerned about side effects of medications, right? Yes. Uh, when you hear the ads on TV, they go on and on and on mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. infections to cancer. Yeah. Uh, but the vast majority of patients actually do tolerate their medications. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And while side effects are potential, you know, what's happening, let's say you have rheumatoid arthritis, the, the pain and swelling and the inflammation in the joints, it's happening you know, right now. It is right. very real and it needs to be controlled. That's so, so true. Actually, I didn't even know there was that methotrexate had this reputation for being this really um, difficult to tolerate mm -hmm. medication until I was active on some social media mm -hmm. groups. And I kept seeing people talking about the methotrexate hangover and the methotrexate horribleness and I kept thinking what are they talking about you know but it had because because I try not to think about the side effects right. so I do I want to be aware of mm -hmm. which would be the most potentially serious mm -hmm. of course um but but it's kind of like yeah if you it, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword going right. on the internet and it's wonderful to connect to other patients and not feel so alone and to get general advice but it also can um, people's horror stories can scare each other off. Right. So. And, and the good thing is we have so many treatment options, for example, for rheumatoid arthritis, that if mm -hmm. you actually do not tolerate methotrexate, for example, you can be on other treatments. Right, right. right. Your experiences with patients, you know, not maybe the newly diagnosed, but the ones who have been living with chronic illness mm -hmm. for a long time, um, do you ever have to can, you know, refer them maybe to mental health support? for just the kind of maybe anxiety or depression that can come along with that? Well, that's right. So one, depression rates are higher in patients with chronic diseases, mm -hmm. especially uh, autoimmune diseases, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes it's a lot for people to be told that they have a condition that they'll have to deal with long term, yeah. right? Or that they have to take a medication for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Uh, so, and if they're having difficulty coping with that, you know, it's, it's going to be hard for them to adhere to the treatment yes. options, yes. right? So we have here at the Poly Clinic, there's a, we have a behavioral health specialist and mm -hmm. we can, I, I certainly send my patients there. That's, that's great. Is there any hot topic or exciting things happening in rheumatology right now that people might want to know about? Right. So I, I think this is an exciting time for rheumatology. There are several things that are happening. 
Uh, but to me, what's important and what I find interesting is I think there are more studies looking at whether we can identify subtypes, right? For oh. example, of rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. Because we have several treatment options, but unfortunately, we're not yet at that point wherein we can identify which patient will respond to a particular treatment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we can look forward to in the future. And maybe something right. similar to like personalized medicine. You know, right. you know whether drug A will work for, for patient A and whether right. drug B will right. work for patient B and eliminate some of the uh, at least initial guesswork, right? Right. Uh, in right. terms of medications. And then, you know, one, one trend I've noticed as a patient and read a little bit about is that, you know, patients are active members of mm -hmm. the team, right? So we're actively help making decisions in mm -hmm. our own care. But one thing that I've had a little bit of challenge with myself as a patient is like figuring out at what point do I say, okay, well, my, my opinion as a patient and as like, I guess I'm an occupational therapist, I have some medical training, but not to the same mm -hmm. degree as a doctor, obviously. You know, if my doctor says, okay, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about these two mm -hmm. options? At some point, I'm kind of like, uh, I want you to tell me, you know? So right. do you have patients who are a little bit confused by that kind of power that has been given to mm -hmm. them? Or are they more like, yes, give me the power. I want it. I want it. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, you know, you're, you're some... going in the grocery and then there are several different yeah. kinds of milk, right? And which yes. one are you going to get? Yes. So, well, you know, I, I tell patients, uh, you know, do something that, you know, makes sense to you, right? Right, right. Uh, and what you choose the first time, if it doesn't work, you know, it doesn't have to be the final option, right? That's true. So I tell them, you know, if you choose this drug, these are the benefits and risks. If you mm -hmm. choose this drug, these are the benefits and risks. These are the logistical difficulties, you know, with getting right, this drug right. over this drug. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we, we try, I, I try to help my patients, our, our entire staff tries to help the patients get, you know, to their first choice. Right. Uh, and right. if that doesn't push through, then you go to the second one. So maybe a, a message inside of what you're saying is that to use the support available to right. you as a patient because yeah, I used to think I had to do everything myself you know mm -hmm. I have to be in charge of following up with the insurance company and, and in some degrees I some things I do mm -hmm. have to do but yeah utilizing all the support you have at your local clinic that mm -hmm. you go to is is there anything else maybe you just want audience of mm -hmm. people with arthritis and their loved ones and other providers is there anything else you want to say right so if you have joint pain or swelling mm -hmm. right, you want to prevent long-term joint damage so you should talk to your PCP and ask about seeing a rheumatologist. Yeah, simple. He's very succinct. It was very helpful. Thank you so, so oh, no. much. Thank you for having me here. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to check out my latest courses and resources on myarthritislife.net. This podcast is brought to you by the Beginner's Guide to Life with Rheumatoid Arthritis, a four-week online education and support program that I created from scratch to help people with inflammatory arthritis learn everything they need to know to navigate the social, emotional, physical, and logistical challenges of rheumatoid arthritis and related diseases. The next group is going to start in August 2020. Learn more at myarthritislife.net or bit.ly slash arthritis course, all in lowercase. You can also connect with me on my social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even TikTok. Check out the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Arthritis Life Podcast. 
This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, an educational program I created from scratch to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported, and connected in a matter of weeks. You can go through the pre-recorded course on your own, or you can take the course along with a support group. Learn more at the link in my show notes, or you can always go to www.myarthritislife.net. And if you like this podcast, I would be so honored if you took the time to rate and review it. I also encourage you to share it with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I also wanted to remind you that you can find full transcripts, videos, and detailed show notes with hyperlinks for each episode on my website, www.myarthritislife.net. If you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you want to share your story or wisdom on the podcast, just shoot me an email at info at myarthritislife.net. I can't wait to hear from you.